podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Across the Pond NBA Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your host of Across the Pond NBA Podcast, Ryan Doherty and Rory Mitchell. So, easy. Easy money. <laughs> okay. I hit the record button. Whenever you're ready, sir. Cool. Cool, cool. Hey right, folks, welcome back to another week of Across the Pond NBA podcast. Joined as per usual uh, with Rory. Obviously, we had a wee hiatus last week, uh, technical difficulties slash recordings issues, etc. So we're back. We're back to ch- chat to you guys about some really kind of a really interesting week actually in the NBA. So let's start with our with our first quarter. Our first quarter is our usual look back at last week's games. Now, I I said this right away when Chris Paul went out. I don't think Phoenix are losing any games when Chris Paul's out. And they pretty much went and done that. You know, they have been on an absolute tear. And it's all thanks to one man. One man who you thought didn't have another gear. Devin Booker. You know, he's, he's kind of showing his other gear now. You, you, that's how you want to start up the podcast after not being here for about a week? What's wrong with you, Ryan? Come on now, man. Come on now. Listeners, listeners love the tension. They love it. <laughs> uh, you know, 60-win team. Congratulations. Now Chris Paul, the leader's back. Well, you know, they did what they needed to do. They won. They won some games, you know, and it's now about who they play in the first round. My question <laughs> is to you. I know everybody thinks that the Lakers are game over, they're DOA. Is that a potential first round matchup? Is of it? Course so. <laughs> of course it is. For LeBron? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Obviously, we've been hearing all these rumors about 80s going to come back to the playoffs, etc., the playing game. We, we do know he's, he's starting to ramp up his practices and stuff. So he, he is on the verge to return. And as as you said, it, it could be, become a massive banapio for the Suns if they had to play the Lakers in the, in the first round. Because we know LeBron's on a bit of a mission this year. We know AD has had a lot of time off. And that Lakers team, everyone has been saying since day one, pretty much, that this team is not built for the playoffs. They're not built for a, a late run. They have you know, issues with aging and injuries and cohesion. But in certain games this year, we saw them really kind of turn it on. And you never, I mean, just like you never, I've never written off Chris Paul, like for the fact that no matter where he goes, you know he's going to play off team. Doesn't matter. OKC with rubbish around him, playoff team. Suns, they've never made the playoffs in I don't know how many years. They were a bottom feeding team, lottery team, pretty much perennially. He goes there, instant playoff team. Same with LeBron. As soon as you get to playoff time, you don't just go, well, you know, they've had a bad season, LeBron's getting older. He's not going to do much in the playoffs. That's not how we see these things. So true. And that's the thing about Phoenix. And, you know, we throw Memphis in there and throw Golden State. You know, I've, I've been saying to a lot of people is that who can avoid who? And I feel like some of the fans look at this Lakers team, even though I know we're talking about Phoenix, and they think, oh, this team's not going to be able to do what they need to do. And honestly, I'm like, seven-game series. <laughs> LeBron, AD, playoff atmosphere, half-court basketball. It's not going to be an easy out. It won't be. And I think if you play the Lakers, if you're Phoenix, if you're Memphis and you're Golden State, those series are going six to seven games, right? And if AD's at least 80% healthy, I'm taking an AD at 80% healthy. You know what I mean? And things like that. So... You know, as much as I criticize LeBron, I know what time it is come playoffs. And if I'm the Western <laughs> Conference, I wouldn't just go in and look at the Lakers team and say, oh, yeah, we're going to steamroll them. You're not. Because half of these teams don't have a LeBron stopper. They can contain them. Half of these teams don't even have a, a, an Anthony Davis stopper, even though he stops himself with, by becoming injured and things like that. So Phoenix is sitting high right now. You know, it's just now about what can they do? Are they going to be that team to coast in the playoffs are they going to be able to eliminate teams five six games tops you know because you want to get that health you know chris paul's not getting any younger devin booker it's it i I have to hold him accountable i gotta i gotta see that ceiling now i gotta see can he get to that next step you know what i mean i I think he's he's well on his way there you know there was a i follow a few uh twitter accounts like stat news and stuff like that and they're talking about the fact that devin booker's now the greatest ever Phoenix Suns player, I don't see it still. The fact that he's not even the greatest Suns player on the team currently, 
you know, Chris Paul is the, the, the greatest Suns player on that team currently. You're talking about overall, you've still got to get past Steve Nash. You've still got to get past Barkley. You know, I, I don't think he's going to, if they get the championship this year, does he usurp them? Maybe. But he'll be remembered, unless he gets the finals MVP, he'll be remembered as the sidekick Chris Paul. And it, you don't you don't suddenly become the franchise best player if you are sidekick to anyone. So let me ask you this question. And I, I honestly, because we're, we're getting into the nitty gritty of it. Is Phoenix going to go back to the finals this year? Yes or no? Uh, I... If they had, if they if they had to play the Lakers in the first round, I don't I don't think they do. I think they get knocked out of the Lakers. I I I just have a I have a funny feeling that if the Lakers get AD back, then you know series over. You know I just I don't think the Lakers are going to take the Suns as lightly as they did last year. And I think LeBron, AD, even Russ are going to be on a mission to try and get this team to maybe the conference semifinals. I don't know if they're going to get to the finals, but they're you know they're going to be up there. They're they're a powerhouse team when they're when they're all firing and when they're all engaged. It just big questions are over the fact that are the Suns still hungry enough to get there? You know, are they going to be the team where we know what they are now? We've seen this for two years. Do they can they find that kind of intensity that it brought last year? Can they find can they tap into Chris Paul really wanting to win that ring? Because obviously we think this is pretty much his, his last shot. You know, that's, that's that's pretty much how it's shaping up. The fact that they've got this team, the where they are, um, how how cohesive they are they are as a unit, can they produce that in the playoffs? I'm just I'm not 100 percent sold on that. Whereas we know exactly what our Braun team is going to be in the playoffs. And this has been the same thing I've been telling, you know, my friends groups. I'm like, when I look at the top three teams in Phoenix, Memphis, and Gold State, um, for me, Memphis is the is a team that's the odd one out because they're still young. But everybody's all gung-ho on this defense and John Morant. And I'm like, I don't see it. Now, again, it's about who you avoid. And if I'm Phoenix, Phoenix is sitting. If if, if somehow Phoenix avoids the Lakers, right, and they got to play either a Minnesota or a Clippers or New Orleans, I think they coast. I think they go through it. They coast. Minnesota, my Timberwolves can oppose some issue there um, just because the way the matchup system is, but I don't think Minnesota has enough inside of them winning mentality to to even say, yo, we're going to take Phoenix to seven games. It's just not going to happen. So it's like, it's the lesser of two evils. You know what I mean? We know that Lakers are a powerhouse. We know Golden State healthy possibly wins a championship this year. But now it's like, if you're the Phoenix Suns and you look at Chris Paul, it's like, we're here. We're in the driver's seat. We can't make any mistakes. We ran into that buzzsaw in Giannis. So now you got to think about who are the buzzsaws in the Western Conference? Well, LeBron, Stephen Clay, Draymond, you know. John Morant's just one player. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think John Morant is going to be putting up 40, 50-point games in the playoff series. I just don't see it happening. You know what I mean? Um, Utah, they're whatever. Dallas is whatever. Denver is whatever. So it's like, hey, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, avoid the Lakers. You may just get yourself to the Western Conference Final. Yeah. I mean, just before we move off of the little chat on Memphis, Memphis apparently have the best overall rating in the league, even without Ja, which is it's crazy to think. Like they're ranked number one in defense, ranked number three in offense without their best player. That is an insane statistic. But we've seen, we obviously, we've seen them knock off a couple of big teams recently without Ja. But this is regular season, end of the season thing where people are trying out different things. You know, you see coaches pulling guys when they don't usually pull them. They're trying different offenses during different defenses. I don't, I don't think like this number one rated offense defense that they have just now can really withstand a playoff run. You know, I think they, they really need, they need Jam Rant, they need Dylan Brooks, they need uh, Melton and um, Bain all to be really firing. And they need Steven Adams because he's the only guy in that, that team that's got experience. And if he's not if he's not helping these guys mature in these playoffs, then they could be out first round. You know, if they go against, as you're saying, if they go against a, a Tim Rose or a Clippers team where, you know, the Clippers, as we know right now, they're, they're a bit shaken up. Um, if they go against a team that are 
are really locked in and they have that playoff experience, that's a potential banana peel for for the Memphis Grizzlies. You say you say the right thing, and it's not it's not hate. I want people to tell. I want people to understand. It's not hate on Memphis. It's just like I see. I see the story. I see what people are looking at, but I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. I'm not gripping to say, listen, these guys are going to just turn up in the playoffs and just start shocking everybody. Because honestly, I'll be honest, sitting at the second the, the second seed in the West, for me, they're a Cinderella team. Honestly, they're a Cinderella team because their backs up against the wall. We know they're beating a lot of good teams. You know, um, I just don't know. I've always said in my heart, they need another score. If it's a big man or somebody that's like a veteran, like a veteran scorer, you know what I mean? And um, it, it's going to be it's going to be good to see. But I just like I said, is they're, they're, they're the Cinderella of the Western Conference. And and for them to make the run again, avoid if they play Lakers in the first round, I'm telling people this. I, I think the Lakers take them out because they don't have a LeBron stopper in a half court set. They don't have an AD stopper in a half court set. And John Morant is like, we don't know what he can do in a seven game series. We don't know. You know what I mean? The injury, is he injured? Are they masking it? We don't know. It's getting very Derrick Rose situation over there in Memphis <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? And hey, I love the kid. I, I picked Murray State, what, two NCAAs ago to win to win <laughs> to win the national title? You know what I mean? Just because I bought into to John Morant. I think John Morant's the future of the NBA, honestly. But it's about staying healthy. And, you know, if they can muck up the mess, I personally think Golden State owes them an ass whooping. I think that's <laughs> happening. If they, if those two teams run into each other, I know Steph Curry wants redemption. The whole Golden State Warriors team wants redemption from 2019. So it's going to be interesting, man. You can tell I'm already fired up for the NBA. Playoff, I'm already fired yeah. up. Start it today. Let's go. Right. Let's talk about on Golden State, actually. So they've now been on a bit of a slide. You know, they have pretty much lost pretty much against everyone. Apart from one game where they where they beat Miami, and you know even in that game they were, they were going to lose it. You know they just they couldn't get runs together, and as soon as they got a slight lead, Miami came back at them. And I just I don't see how Steve Kerr can really cope without Steph Curry in the first round because with Clay, oh okay, he's, he's shooting a little bit better now, and he's you know he's getting his occasional assists and stuff, but. Clay and Draymond don't make that team. You know, they are not they're not a force without Steph. Because that that one key integral part is missing. The fact that the unpredictability of Steph, everyone knows that Clay's gonna be kind of off screens and shooting a three without a dribble, etc. But they don't know where he's gonna like they know they know where he's gonna pull up from. With with Steph, you don't know where he's gonna pull up from. You don't know if he's gonna blow past guys, you don't know if he's gonna be dishing off to clean the corner. With this team, I just have big, big doubts on can they get over a first round series against someone like like a Minnesota, like a like a possibly um, a Clippers team. If you get Paul George back in the mix, etc., I think without Steph in the first round, they're going to really, really struggle. But see, I like what you said there, but I feel like a lot of people from are, are not putting credit where credits due with Jordan Poole, and I and I I like Jordan Poole. Um, I would say like the Sean Livingston of this team of of twenty twenty two, good offensive set. He's okay on defense from what I'm looking at. But if Jordan Poole can really show up, then you have your guy that can put up 20. We see him can put up 20, he can put up 30. You know, you got Gary Payton, you know, Jr., whatever his name is. He's okay. He's that hype person. It all comes down to, I'm going to say this right now, I'm going to hold this guy accountable here. We call this the accountability episode. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. and Mr. This- Mr. All-Star himself. Mr. All-Star himself. And this is where I will say is if I had to look at my crystal ball, you know, you get an all-star nomination, you know, you got to show up and play yourself as an all-star. Andrew Wiggins has the ability this year to turn his whole entire career around by being exceptional in the playoffs. Now, what does that look like? That could be, you know, 15 to 18 consecutively. Don't shy away from big moments. Put that ball in the hoop. Because I'll be honest, like, I, I like, I, I've always been saying it. I've been ranting and raving. Steph, we hear Clay's coming back. I really, truly feel this team can win the championship. But they got to be healthy. And with myself here dealing with a little minor, little toe situation, I can just imagine what Steph Curry's dealing with. You know what I mean? It's not, 
it's not nice. You put your foot in shoes, you got to run, you can't really do any of that. So you got to let that thing just heal by itself because it's not like you can get surgery for it. You know, you break your toe and they're like, well, you just got to stay off your foot. This is a ligament situation. So what are the tape jobs going to look like? You know, is it the shoes? You know what I mean? Is it being on under them? I don't know. You know, this is the reason why. And it's so funny because like, I get, this could be its own episode. Like you think about when Kobe, Kobe injured himself, you know, back in the day and he switched his shoes from Adidas to, to Nike. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I'm not knocking Under Armour. I know it's a great brand and stuff like that, but those little nicks. And then you think about how the shoes are made and you roll up on the shoes. Like maybe it's time for him to go to Nike, you know? Get the LeBron I, system. Get the LeBron <laughs> system made in your shoes, man. This the guy. He's the only dude I don't see that really gets injured except for rolled up by another, you know, opposing team. But that's that's what happened to Steph, though. He got he got but he got like uh, speared basically by Marcus Smart. So he called him speared. I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's that kind of situation where it was a kind of fluke injury, and I don't know. I think they were obviously. I think they're being really really cautious with it. I don't think it's as bad as they're making out. Because they know that they're not going to get the second seed. They won't get in the first seed. And they're not going to fall below Dallas. So what was the point in, you know, pushing Steph Curry to go back out there on a slightly rolled ankle for a week and a half? You know, that's that's not a good plan. So I, I gotta give credit to Steve Curry. Yeah, I think he I think he gets a lot of, of of hate for the fact that he was pulling people like Steph and Clay when they're on hot games. But this is a this is a good smart move. And especially from the fact that now we know that James Feynman is not going to play this season, I think that they need all their guys. And if you're, as you're saying, Jordan Poole is very, very key in this, but he's definitely the, he's a spark off the bench. You know, we saw the fact that kind of Damon Lee's kind of fallen away from that kind of spark off the bench role. And Poole is definitely that guy. You know, he's definitely bringing the heat basically off the bench for Golden State. I just, I don't think him being in the starting lineup is productive for them getting further than maybe round one. You know, because if if he's the main guy that is being on the, the starting five, who's bringing the spark off the bench? You're not you're not getting 15, 20 points from Damon Lee. You're not you're not getting fifteen points from Otto Porter Jr. You know that's that's not a thing you can regularly rely on. So and you know Eggy's hurt. You know you, you've got Kaminga who can only play certain games, etc. Young guys not obviously going to be well versed in what happens in the playoffs so I wouldn't be relying on these young guys to step up off the bench you need someone like Jordan Poole being that more experienced head pretty much so we speak of a team and I love everything you said there what do we make of Minnesota because I'm hearing a lot of people really saying Minnesota could potentially be the debutantes in this in this playoff also too they could oppose challenges to a team in the first round I personally don't think, like, I, this is my team. I'm being realistic. It'd be nice we get in the playoffs. I think we need to get the sixth seed. If we get the sixth seed, we play Golden State. As much as I love Golden State and like Minnesota, I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds here. But what do you make of Minnesota? I, th- I think this season for Minnesota is a bit, bit of kind of fool's gold. I think getting to the playoffs, it's great for the franchise, but it's not good for that team because I think it, it means that the front office aren't going to go as hard after some good guys that could get good get in there and actually build this team out right. I think they're going to be like, we've got a pretty much well-structured team. We're going to get the occasional guy, you know, a very much a very small role player, whereas what they really need to do is get two or three pieces where they can really build on. You know, they've got people like Nas Reed, uh, Torian Prince, etc., pay, playing big minutes. These aren't guys who should be playing big minutes, you know, even in playoff games. You need someone who can give you 10 points, who can give you five to 10 rebounds, you know, not a guy who's basically a seven defense, you know, Torin Preston's an okay defender, but he's not stopping players. You know, you can't, you couldn't say to Torin Prince, right, you've got to go and guard Kevin Durant now because Cat's got four fouls. You know, that's, that's not a thing he's going to be in his wheelhouse. So I think what they need to be really thinking about is we'll take it as far as we can take it. We won't try and overexert ourselves because this season's all about just getting these guys in the habit of, you know, being a winning team again. Because we, we got to remember, they have not been a winning team in a very, very long time. So true. You make some good valid points. Nothing I'm going to argue there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just before we move off this, uh, this uh, Golden State um, piece, 
did you did you see the bust up between uh, Jimmy Butler and Spo and Haslam on the Miami bench? I, I caught the I caught the the what do you call it? the tail end on Twitter. I think it was just smoke and mirrors, personally. You know, slow yeah, NBA week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think I do think it's it's a bit a bit of a case of Jimmy's calling out Spo because Spo is trying to run things for the playoffs, and Jimmy's like, I don't agree with this. It's just not helping his win just now. And Haslam's like, you ain't the coach, Jimmy. You better shut your mouth. You know, and I, I get, I get where they're all coming from. But we've seen these kind of bust ups before. We know what key culture is like. We know that's a very intense playoff, like uh, a very intense atmosphere that they they kind of live in day to day. And I, I think it's all kind of been blown out of proportion. I think that the media really wants to hype up and be like, oh, they're going to fall apart in the playoffs because of this. No, they're not. We've seen it before. We've seen Spo go off against. Uh, Dwayne Wade back in 2012-2013 era and they won championships after that that same season and it's a case of they're trying to get on the court right they're trying to you know they're all battling for what can improve their team and for people that have played competitive sport you know what it's like when a coach makes a call you don't agree with it and then something happens on the court and you go look see I told you I didn't agree with it it didn't work you know we got to work on that more in practice and I just I don't know I think the media are, are very, very quick to like jump on these things, but they actually have to look at a bigger picture sometimes, I think. 100%. And you know what? Like, you know, with Miami where they're sitting right now, again, uh, a team that gets the respect but doesn't get the respect. You know what I mean? And this team is built for a long run. Now, is that, is that little, is this little chink in the armor? They sit at the bottom and their name is Brooklyn. All these mandates now have kind of lifted and the Brooklyn Nets are kind of looking looking very appetizing. Um <laughs> I said it, I said it I think a couple episodes ago. I said is Brooklyn's gonna be a problem. And I think they're gonna gel together. They're getting it right at the right time. And um I think they're saving Ben Simmons. <laughs> I think they're saving him for the playoffs. I think they're going to run a lot of it's going to look scary with those <clears throat> with those three on the court. And uh, and Ryan, I, I'm going to say this right now. I don't know if anybody wants to play Brooklyn, including Miami. Uh, I don't know if Miami has enough to throw at KD. I just again, you just you can't you can't run Jimmy Butler offense and defense. He's going to have to be the primary guy. And a lot of people talk about Bam and I'm like, OK. And then what else? After that, you still got to deal with Kyrie. I don't think Kyle Lowry can 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 defend the Kyrie, a motivated Kyrie Irving, let alone what are they going to do with Ben Simmons? You know what I mean? I think a lot of people, and I'm going to really speak a lot on Brooklyn here, Ben Simmons can play defense. And if that's going to be his role in the playoffs, well, guess what? He's going he's gonna to try to lock one of your best players down. Now that could be honest. <laughs> Jimmy Butler kind of just chills now. You know what I mean? You 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 kind of spin off both of those players. So it's gonna be interesting to see, man. It's gonna be very, very interesting. I just don't know if Miami's got enough to make that run now, though. Uh, I, I still think they do. I think they're they're saving a lot in the tank. And from obviously them now being on the slide, they've lost about four games from that in the past week and a half. And this mm-hmm. is this is this is a it's definitely a positioning thing that they're all doing. The whole East are just in a positioning thing of who do we not want to play in the first round? And nobody really wants to be that number one, number two seed because we know like they're going to have to play Brooklyn. But just a, a touch on, you were saying, can Bam guard KD? We saw it the other night. He had a couple of blocks on KD. And he was, Seven you know, game series, good. though? Seven game series? He, but the thing is, a lot of people discount how much of a... A learner Bam is on the job. We saw it in those 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 uh, that series in the bubble against Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, the first couple of games was cooking Bam left, right, and center. And the biggest play of that game, the biggest play of that series, was Bam blocking him at the rim because he knew exactly what he was tearing. He was he was tend to do, and that's that's what he does. You know, he he learns really really quickly on the job. And I think in a seven game series, all it does is it gives more ammunition to a to a bam to a possibly a Dwayne Denman and stuff like that to be able to not not stop oh. where'd you go sorry <laughs> all good not stop yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not stop Kevin Durant completely but to uh it's 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think like those, those kind of seven game series uh, with Miami and Bam. I think it'll be a good learning experience. I mean, I think, I think, all in all, I think they can pose a bit of a kind of threat to Brooklyn. As I said, I think as a team, Miami are better gelled. They're better prepared for a Brooklyn than someone like a Milwaukee Bucks, than a 76ers. And it's one of the teams where I don't think Brooklyn want to play, play Miami either. So I think it, it helps both teams if they avoid each other in the first round. You said Philly? Really? Yeah, I don't. As, as, as you were saying, like, as we've been saying the last couple of weeks, I don't think Philly are ready for Brooklyn. You know, I just, I don't think that they've got, get it together yet to really be ready for the might of a KD, a locked-in Kyrie, a Ben Simmons, and whoever else they want to throw at them. You know, I just, I think that Miami is, outside of possibly Boston, if they continue this hot streak, really, really well set up to play a Brooklyn Nets. I don't think Philly are there yet. So I'm going to pose another question to you. Where do we put Brooklyn in the conversation? Does Brooklyn go to the Eastern Conference Final? If they, if they don't have to play Miami, and if they don't play someone like Bucks in the first round, then I think, yeah. If they, if they play Philly in the first round, I think it probably goes six. But I think it probably goes in the way of Brooklyn, you know? I think so, too. You know, I think Milwaukee, again, Milwaukee's... I said it the other day to one of my friends. I said, I think Milwaukee, when I think about it more and more, Milwaukee might go back to the finals. And winning it, I don't know. That's another topic for another day. But I think Milwaukee can go back to the finals. And I'm more sold on that. I'm more like, this is what I see. I say I'm more favoring Milwaukee. But in the rearview mirror, I believe Brooklyn's going to get there also too. Yeah, I think that's going to be the collision course. I don't want to say it's going to be the Eastern Conference Final because it's got a it's it's got a lot of just a lot of potential there. It's just a lot got a, the chips got to fall certain ways. But personally, in my eyes, I think it's Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and put Miami in no specific order. I think those are the three teams, honestly. I'm oh yeah, yeah. Here. I, I think I think I, I, I'm with you there. I'm pretty sure I, I, I'm on the same kind of boat there. And um, the next thing we want to have a chat about is what I said a few weeks ago: the Clippers. Slight gust to win. That's it. Seven game slides. I, I I knew it was coming. I just I thought it was going to come a little bit sooner than it did. But as soon as lose that first game, that was it. You know, they all the chips. They're now saying that the resting guys. You know, the the, the resting guys like Reggie Jackson. The resting <laughs> guys uh, like like Zubach. And you're like, these guys are not. They're not old. They're not had a lot, had a lot of miles on their legs. You're limiting them in games. They're resting them back to backs. Why are they doing this? Like, do they do they think they're going to get Paul George and Kawhi back for these playoffs? I mean, I know we've seen these kind of we've seen these images of Paul George shooting around, but there's still no timetable for them. If the Clippers are playing, they're playing the biggest poker hand that they could be seeing. I think that there's some secret layer where Paul George and Kawhi are both running, practicing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was funny. I was watching the last dance the the other night there, and they were showing when on the Space Jam set, um, Jordan was playing with other guys and going in between workouts and things like that. And I say to myself, "Is is that what's going on over there in in, in the Clipperland?" Because it's you think about it like this: Paul, George, and Kawhi just come back for the playoffs, and they say, "Hey, let's see what happens." It changes things because now you got to mentally prepare and go, "Wait, there's Kawhi and there's Paul George." I'll take both of those players at 70%, honestly. I will. You know what I mean? Um, I can't see the Clippers going in a play-in and just wanting to show up, just to show up in the play-in, knowing they're going to lose. So it's like something's coming. I think the storm is coming. I think if Paul George comes back, Paul George will come back. But let's be honest. Kawhi injured his, tore his what? Is his ACL, when was it? It was... Apparently, it was during what, what the last few games from uh, of the regular season or something. So full calendar year, is it not? It's been a full calendar year. Yeah, yeah, but we know that Kawhi likes to you know add on six months here and there for injuries. I just I don't see Kawhi coming back. Uh, maybe maybe Paul George comes back, but I mean I, I called it a couple weeks ago. People were saying, "Oh, Paul George is going to come back in the next two weeks." No, he's not. He'll be he'll be lucky if we see him in the last two game two game two game regular season games. And if he does come back for those rest, those regular those last two regular season games, I still don't trust that elbow. It's still not right. The fact that I know it's still not right is the fact that he's participating in like shoot arounds, 
but he's not doing shooting drills, you know? So if he's not doing shooting drills and we're what, a week and a half away from the regular season finishing, what hope has he got? You know, that's, I just, I don't, I don't think that he's got that in him, you know? And I, I really think, I, I mean, if they're going to go into these playing games and hope, hopefully win a playing game, and then get to the, you know, the first round, Where's the advantage for Clippers in that? What, is, does it sell a couple more season tickets? I don't, I don't really know if it does. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm like, they're, they're, they're slipping and they're doing this and they're doing that. So for me, it's like, I feel like a lot of these teams are, are really playing the poker hand. I think the same thing is happening in, uh, in, in Denver. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. An ACL injury is very, it's serious. But I've seen guys in, in say, for instance, NFL tear their ACL week 15 and come back you know, of uh, the next season and rush over 2,000 yards. So it's like, and that's a lot more cutting, twisting and turning and doing all that. So it should be interesting to see. <laughs> I think we're was- setting up for a monumental <laughs> playoff, man. I just, something's just not sitting right right now. I just feel like these teams are just playing possum gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we did talk about Lakers earlier on. Uh, I just want to highlight before we go off the Lakers because we always seem to have a Lakers section anyway in this first mm-hmm. bit. Um, so they lost a close one against Sixers without LeBron, and you know Russ goes off for a bit, and people are going, "Oh, look at Dwight Howard! He's going, he's doing really well." Yeah, he he's playing against Joel Embiid. You know they know each other. They played each other obviously last year, um, and he's playing against another big man. He's going to have a good game. If he's going to play against someone like a like a Jokic, he's going to get fouled out pretty much instantly. Joel's not going to do that to you. You know, Joel's going to make you come out to the three-point line, but he's not going to rush past you. He doesn't want to get himself injured. So I get that they had the close game. They lost it, only five points. But what they did do, which I liked, was at the start of the week there, they had a good game against the Cavs. Did you see LeBron's dunk on Kevin Love? Yeah. That was, that uh, was nice. Whatever. It was cute. <laughs> it was cute. Yeah, boys. I like to hang out yeah. in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fact that Kevin Love obviously gave him a bit of ribbon at halftime, had him a headlock and stuff. And it was just, it was, it was weird for two teams that need to win. Neither of them really seemed like they cared. You know, they were just like, eh, this is a game. Somebody LeBron's wins not, the LeBron's not going to go out there and decimate Cleveland. Come on now. You probably still have aspirations to go back there and win another ring. You know, <laughs> you, know you should yeah. go back to Miami if you was smart, but you know. That's not. That's just. I don't see how that happens with the cat space stuff. You know, I just. I don't see, it. especially because obviously we've got that whole bunch of money put into Cal Lowry these days. I just. I don't see it happening in Cleveland though. Obviously, they've got all these young pieces. They have shooters. I, I get. I get how that works. I do get how that works. And um, moving into our second quarter, now we've already talked a little bit about this kind of injury arrest pandemic that's kind of going on just now. But you know, we've now got a couple of people who are missing until pretty much the playoffs. You know, you've got Jamarant sitting out two weeks at least. Um, we've got Joel Embiid taking nights off here and there. Yance again taking nights off here and there. Chris Milton, a guy who I didn't think we were going to see take nights off here and there. Now, are these teams, as we said before, they're all kind of battling to avoid people in the playoffs, you know? And do we see this now continue? Do we see probably, obviously, the, the Sixers have was it, four games this week or something like that. Do we see two games without Joel Embiid? I think so. I, I, you got to protect your investments now, right? Because playoff atmosphere, the games are going to get more intense. There's going to be more physicality. You're going to see a whole bunch of, like I said, you're going to see a whole bunch of mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the only thing that it hurts, it hurts the fans because there could be that marquee matchup on ESPN or ABC or TNT, and you may not be able to see you know, your respective team play on TV, let alone being in person. You know what I mean? It's like, I think there's like some contest on NBA. I think it's on NBA.com where the Raptors are playing um, Miami. Is Jimmy Butler going to be sitting in that game? Maybe. Is Bam going to be sitting? You just never know, right? Because the game doesn't really necessarily mean anything. So it's like if I'm paying my hard-earned money to go watch this game and I don't see the players that I'm here to see, why am I at the game? Why am I watching it? Refund me my tickets ASAP. Please, thank you. <laughs> and upgrade my upgrade my value to a playoff game where I know I'm going to see the greatest of of the world play. You know what I mean, and things like that. So it's strategic, yes, and it's and it makes sense. You know, especially in this 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 stage of the season. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but if you're playing I've... fantasy basketball, <laughs> to you? ooh, wait till that segment. Hmm. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting segment, folks. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've been on the bad end of those, like going to these last couple of season games, and you're hoping to see star players, and you don't see star players. I think you just got to kind of suck up and live with it because they're not they're obviously it's a team sport and it's supposed to be for the fans but ultimately they're all competing for one championship and i, I get it I and mean, that's it's more reason that we really should have a shortened season we should have a bigger i i still think we need a bigger break between the regular season and the playoffs because if say for instance you've got a regular season game ending on let's say the friday your playoffs obviously without the play-ins could could start a week and a half later that's not that's not long enough, you know. I don't think that's long enough. Not for people to really prepare on who they're going to play against, what sets they're going to run, etc. I know they should be playing; they should be doing this whole season, but you never know for someone getting a like, slight ankle tweak that makes that first round matchup totally, totally different. And I think for the last couple of seasons we've seen that more and more. You're seeing, you know, a first round matchup go totally opposite way just for the fact that one player's got injured. And it's just not long enough for them to get back, and I just I don't know I don't know how I don't know how they fix it other than shorten the season, making the end of it just that little bit longer, you know. So you kind of mean like, like how kind of NFL does it in a way where you have your your divisional guys get basically almost two weeks off, which I see where you're going with that. I think it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense actually because when you think about it. If say the season ends on the sixteenth and you do your playing games, those four teams, whatever, I think you start the playoffs maybe the following Saturday or Sunday, right? I think I think a good week, week and a bit, you know. And I think all sports have it's like the Super Bowl has like two weeks before it plays. So why can't you, you know what I mean? Get everybody right and whatnot because you know you're gonna be playing games what every what every other day. I hate sometimes when they play a game on like a Monday, Wednesday. And then because of travel purposes, the game doesn't get played until Sunday. And I'm like, why am I waiting three yeah. days before this game being played? And you guys are going from like LA to like the East Coast. Like, stop giving these teams advantages. I know what they're yeah. doing. They give teams advantages and things like that. So yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. It should be every if it's for the first two rounds, it should be every other day, just to make sure that it's an even spread, you know. Travel purposes, both teams are traveling. You know, it's, it's it should be it should be that. You know, it's better it's better for the fans. At least for them, we know exactly when playoff seasons, playoff series could be done, rather than be like, oh well, if they travel back, then it's gonna be an extra three days, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that either. Um, but yeah, let's um have a wee little break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes, guys, with our second half. Right, folks, welcome back to our second half. Now, it's kicking off our second half, third quarter this week is our playoff positioning section. Um, so obviously we're now in this this kind of mode where a lot of teams are looking around them, seeing who they're going to play in the first round. Let's start with the East. Now, the East, the top half is absolutely mental. At the start of the week, Miami were like three games clear of everyone. No one was getting close to them. They're on a good run. They're you know winning two games, losing one, winning three games, losing one. It's pretty much you know coasting their way to the first round, uh, to the first round top seed. And then all of a sudden this week happens. They got Johnny Butler back, they got Kyle Lowry back, and you expect them to win at least one game. But nah, they lost four in a row, and now we have this situation where Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami are all half a game between each other. None of them really seem like they want the first seed, the, the number one seed, or even the two seed. How how does this go now from from here on out? Do they all now start resting their top players? Do we see like uh, Jordan Wara and like Gabe Vincent etc. playing instead of like Kyle Lowry and Giannis and Antetokounmpo? It's gonna be. I think these next couple of games are gonna be really messy. Well, we said it. It's avoiding that. It's avoiding what Brooklyn does, right? Because um, you don't want to play Brooklyn the first round. <laughs> Somebody's playing Brooklyn the first round. So if you're if you're the seventy six series, Miami and Milwaukee, do you let Boston just go take the number one or the number I would, two? I, I would. <laughs> I would. I would. I would love to see that first round matchup between Jason Tatum and Ken Durant. I, I think it's a fire. That. I don't that's a fire first round matchup. Why not? Not for not for Boston. <laughs> the only the only intriguing okay in my defense the only intriguing part is is Kyrie goes back to Boston. Yeah. Now, does Boston? Does Boston? Kyrie's gonna stomp back on Lucky ever again. You know he's gonna do it again. He's gonna stomp on Lucky. And if that happens, I hope KG shows up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know what KG said. You don't just go stomp on Lucky and think. 
So I think if you, I think if you're those three teams I just called, you gotta say, hey, listen, you know, um, Boston, go take number one. But then it's like Brooklyn could be playing with house money also too. You know what I mean? Because like if you're Brooklyn, we beat Philly. We, I, 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 in my opinion, I think they beat Miami. I think they beat Boston. Milwaukee be a different conversation though. You know what I mean? Because I think both of those teams have each other's number. You know what I mean? So. You gotta play. You gotta play it the way you see it. It, it. It's corny though because it's like there should be a penalty that maybe goes into play. Play your best players. Why are you trying to avoid certain teams? That's not yeah. really. That's not. It's not fun. You know. It's, you want to see the best of the best. Yeah, it's a case of no one wants to win because ultimately winning these games don't usually equate to winning the whole thing because they're thinking too far down the line. If I was, if I was Philly, if I was. If I was Miami, I would just be trying to win as many games as possible. You know, take it with whatever happens. You can't be thinking, "Oh, our first round matchup is probably going to be against Brooklyn." Then we're going to have a really tough matchup. I, I get the fact that these game these teams are in the the fifth and sixth seed, the the Raptors, Cleveland, Chicago. They're on a pretty up and down spiral. You know, it's pretty crazy to see their last like ten games they either get blown out or they blow someone out. You know, there's no in between. They either terrible or fantastic. So they're probably looking at those three teams going, we'd much rather play those guys because we've got their number, you know? So I don't know if there will be penalties. I don't think there will be because obviously we're still in this kind of midst of, you know, the NBA are trying to protect players for their, you know, the big events. So I, I get that. But if they're not willing to play Brooklyn in the first round, I mean, I, I think if I was if I was Miami, if I was Philly, I'd want to play Brooklyn in the first round because you just, you don't know how these guys are going to gel first round. Because yeah. they've got now two weeks with Kyrie obviously getting all of these mandates, etc. I don't think that's long enough for them to be fully gelled. And if they go into a first round matchup with a team that's not fully gelled and Ben Simmons coming in, it gives them it gives other teams a bit of hope, I think. Whereas if you get in the second round, they've already gelled, they've got they've worked out their kinks, they know who's taking the last shots. Uh, it's a scary prospect seeing Brooklyn in the second round, I think, more than the first round. I hear you. And I'll say one team. You know, everybody talking about Cleveland, and I think Cleveland's showing something. We, we're, we're seeing some stuff with Cleveland in maturity. They're immature. They, they can't really get it together. And I look at the, I'm looking at the bottom half, and I'm like, we never really give this team any, you know, credit. And I'm looking at Atlanta, and I'm like, they could. It's gonna get interesting because I think Atlanta got got they got Trey Young. I'd love to see Trey Young in the playoffs. You know, he, he has to play the villain. Right. So it's like, do they sneak in? Do they move in? Do they move into that eight spot? It's is it an easy win? Is it is it it's not a it's not a gimme gimme series. Cause you still gotta remember Trey Young is absolutely nuclear. You can put a forty if you want. Yeah, who's who's who do they have as stoppers in that team though? Who's nobody? Who's who's <laughs> who's even their second top scorer? Gallinari? <laughs> you know, guy, I'm just there guy to see Trey Young jump. come in there. I just, I just want to see Trey Young get in. You know what I mean? Um, because the thing is, Toronto's sitting in a pretty interesting spot right now, also too. Like Toronto sneaking in the playoffs after everything they've been through since 2019, and I'm looking at it. You're in the sixth spot. You hold that down. Coming to Scotia Bank Arena is no gimme. As much as I. I'm very critical about the Raptors. I'm not a Raptors fan myself, but those are scrappy series now. But I just know that the Raptors don't have enough star power. They don't really have a player that's going to be like, yo, you, you got to see him in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It's not Scotty Barnes. I'm sorry. It's not Fred Van Vliet. It's a collection <laughs> of players. And Pascal Siakam, I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's not doing it for me. I And I think they, I think they can make a series challenging, but I expect – the top half of the seedings to to be able to run run over them, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. But again, they might just you know set another speaker on fire and get the game postponed for an hour and a half. And yeah, <laughs> yeah well, this man went there with that. That's that was crazy. quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty insane. I, I mean, we're, we're we're glad to hear. Obviously, nobody got hurt, and it was quite strange that whole kind of that whole kind of experience. I mean, how does a speaker go on fire? Like what? What even happens there? Like there's a short circuit, but it's the fact that we saw. Like I don't know if you've seen the videos for it, but it looks like he's been on fire for like half an hour, and then someone actually goes, "Oh wait a minute, that's on fire!" 
Well, it's pretty interesting. Like when you go, it was back in what, 2017, I went as media, uh, Minnesota's playing Toronto. And where you sit up in the media gondola, you have like an overhead look. If you like heights, you're good. If you're not really a big heights person, you're kind of like, and I don't like heights. So I was like, eh, I figured it out though. You know what I mean? But where those speakers are, like you see the, the game from a different view. Um, and I'll tell you this, it's actually, when I say different view, it's different when you're watching a game sideline or in the stands, but when you're watching it overhead, there's other things that you see on the court that you don't necessarily see on TV or in person. You know what I mean? And I've heard so many people say is when you sit baseline, it's a different, you know, different field of view. You see different things. If you sit, you know, on the sideline court side or whatever, it's a different side of you. When you watch the game overhead, very different because you see things that you're like, why is he out of position? Like, I remember when Minnesota was playing, I'm like, Wiggins was basket hanging half of the time and waiting for Carl Anthony to come around. And Carl Anthony wasn't just doing whatever he wanted to do, basically. You know what I mean? So, yeah. 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 So, just uh, just before we move off to the kind of East, um, who do we really see that gets into this, this sixth seed here? Because, obviously, the Raptors have it just now. Cleveland aren't that far away. I mean... Obviously, Brooklyn of Brooklyn plays pretty much need to go perfect before they actually get to the six seed. So you know that that could it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen though because I think I'm pretty sure we're going to see games out for Kyrie, games out for KD, games out for probably Drummond at some point just to kind of rest them for the playoffs. So you know who who gets that six seed? Who doesn't have to play in the plane? Is it going to Raptors or is it going to Cleveland? I think it's going to be Cleveland. I think it's going to be Cleveland. I think it's going to be Cleveland just because they have a little bit more star power. Um, and I trust them a little bit more than I trust Toronto. Toronto's still young. And I don't think, like, when I look at that team, who's the value, who's the leader? Is it Fred or is it Pascal? I don't, I, I think it's a coin flip. I think Raptor fans are going to say it's Fred. Some Raptor fans are going to say it's Pascal. I personally don't, I think they're both the same player in two different positions. You know what I mean? Um so they, they don't have that person that, again, is going to take over the game. I don't trust Fred Van Vliet to take over a game. I don't trust Pascal Siakam to take over a game. And when I say taking over a game, taking over a game is not scoring 30, 40 points. I mean, taking over a game means the fourth quarter, this he's, you know what I mean? He's doing whatever he wants. The bucket's going in the hoop, Jason Tatum style, you know, Kevin Durant style. Like, games are close. It's 85-85, and this guy's taking off on the next two possessions. <laughs> Pascal Siakam's yeah. not doing that. Fred Van Vliet's not doing that because they're too yeah. timid. And that's just the reality. And I look at Cleveland and I'm like, well, there's a lot of big boys over there. You know, Garland can shoot. You know, you got all of these, they got they got rim protectors all over the place. You know what I mean? So I think Cleveland sneaks in as a six. I can almost confidently say that they do, unless something dramatically goes wrong and they're like, eh, we want to play in the play. And I think that's I think that's that's suicide if you're doing that. I think it is because you have to play Brooklyn and then you're going to have to possibly play Atlanta. And again, like I said, is with the factor of Trey young, you know that he can go off for 30 and 40. All he has to do is put up 30 and 40 and like have just a supporting cast show up. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's for Toronto and Cleveland's conversation. If I'm Toronto, Toronto has a better chance being the sixth seed and saying, yo, we guarantee our spot in the playoffs. Cleveland on the other hand, they can probably finagle and finesse it if they come down to it. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think I agree with the fact that I think Cleveland will probably eventually get there. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Jarrett Allen comes back, you know, because obviously the, the whole finger issue, he might come back for playoffs. Uh, it might, might happen. They really need someone like him because mm-hmm. with Mobley, with, um, with Mark and with Love, I just, I don't think it works with that big body, that big rim with it, as you're saying, without him there because Mobley's having to do a bit too much on the defensive end now, and obviously he's a rookie. You can't, I can't rely on a rookie being your your anchor defensive guy. You know that's, that's I don't it's, it's not productive to be winning a series. Not on. So true. Right, moving on to the West. The West is a little bit more kind of sorted. Definitely the top end anyway. So pretty much the get the guys that I'm saying that are pretty much locked in. They're not going to move anywhere. Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State. That's the top three. You know, no one's really challenging those guys. You know, other than that, right below them is the Jazz, Dallas, and Denver. Now, they're all within like a game and a half of each other. You know, it's pretty close uh, about how they're going to really shake out. 
I think Dallas are going to end up above the Jazz just for the fact that Luca is just he's on a tear. Literally, since since the All Star break, he's been an absolute tear. You know, we did a we did a really interesting thing in, in class the other day where we were doing stats and I got them to work out Luca's averages since the All Star break, and they're like thirty three point something. What the hell is this about? Like, this is insane. How is he scoring that many a game? It is. It's just it's it's insane how how much he's scoring and just you know contributing all round game to Dallas. And we saw those kind of nice highlight plays against Minnesota the other night where he megs Torian Prince and gets it right to uh, Powell's kind of run to the rim. I think that they've got enough to get above Utah. And obviously, you know, Utah is Utah. You know, are we really worrying about them in the playoffs? They're a good regular season team, but even now, regular season, a little bit shaky. A little bit shaky. Denver, on the other hand, can they chase down someone like Utah, someone like Dallas? Possibly. But it will take a mammoth effort from Jokic to really get there. I think. I think that I think that fourth fifth seed is already set up. It's just who gets home court. Um, unless Golden State says, "Hey, listen, we want to slip that low," which is a possibility. I could see it in their case. You know what I mean? When I look at it, because they're forty eight and twenty six, Utah's forty five and twenty nine, Dallas is forty five and twenty nine. Then you have Denver. I don't know if Denver's going to exhaust Jokic by the time playoff comes around. Like, you need him, right? Again, another player. We don't know what's the status of Jamal Murray. They're saying he could be potentially back. My only thing is if these guys are coming back, and I forgot to say this in the last segment, if you're going to expect these guys to come back in the playoffs and run those type of minutes, what's the point? Honestly, what's the point now? Because you got to get some conditioning. Practice conditioning is a lot different from playing in-game conditioning. You know what I mean? So I think Utah-Dallas series is already set up. I think that we can already say that's set up, unless Golden State says, listen, we're sitting everybody for the next week and a half. But then I ask you that question. If you're Golden State, would you do that? I think it all depends on whether or not Denver keep winning. If they keep winning and they stay in that sixth spot, you know, does it mean that Golden State want to play them in the first round rather than play against, you know, a Utah or a, or a Dallas? I think that that I think that Golden State would rather play against a Dallas or a Utah rather than Denver because they have no one to stop Jokic. We saw it pretty much the whole season. As soon as Jokic is going against Golden State, that's like it's game over, you know. And it's I, I although they don't really have a, a, an answer for Steph. They can contain him a little bit, throw him off his game a little bit. It does it. It favors Denver's setup, really. And I think if you look at how Golden State is set up against a Dallas, like a Utah, they they must feel that they're favorites over those guys. True, but then I look at it and I think Golden State beats De- Dallas in not Dallas. They beat Denver in in a six game series, possibly five. Dallas now, depending on who you ask. I think Golden State buzz buzz off through Dallas. Luca again, Luca still has to do too much in such a small window in the playoffs. Like, get the man some help. Honestly, get the man some help. <laughs> you know, and and then when we think about Utah, like it's a cool story. That team's out in the first round. I'm sorry. Sorry, James. Like, I have to say that again. Like, they're out in the first round. Even if they get past the first round, they're out in the second round. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not about it. Utah Jazz are not, but they're going somewhere very, very fast. You know what I mean? Like they're they're out, they're out. You know, it's just how it is. So, you know, it's that bottom half is what it comes down to. It's that bottom half because again, if you know Minnesota can come kind of come up there and creep up it, it, again, we, we spoke about in the last segment. What, what what can Minnesota do? You know, a lot of people I talked to have said Minnesota is going to create some havoc for some teams. I'm like, I don't see it. So, yep. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, let's look at the real bottom half, though. Like we're talking Spurs, Pelicans, Lakers. You know what's happening there? The Spurs are now a game back of the Pels after the beating all night. Could the Pels actually slip out of the play-in? It's a good question. Now I look at skill positions. New Orleans has better skill positions than San Antonio, but San Antonio got the better coaching end of the day i'm going to take the skill positions and that kind of goes against my own discipline (laughs) i have to take the skill positions because i look at guys that i know can put the ball in the hoop 
there's only really one player we're hearing over in San Antonio, right? You still got CJ, B.I.'s on his way. You know, you got JV over there. Like, I think New Orleans gets in the play in. It's up to them what they want to do. You know what I mean? So I'm taking the skill positions versus I take Greg Popovich's coaching personally. Yeah, I. the only thing that worries me is the fact that Pelicans had to play Lakers twice this week. If they lose both those games to Lakers, it gives San Antonio that little spurt that they might need to get over the Pels. So my question is to you, you, you think you think the Lakers are winning both those games? Uh yeah, yeah, I do. You do? I think it's I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's nailed, but I think that's why they were arresting LeBron. They they want to win these two games because you gotta remember if they don't win at least one of these games, the Pels get the they get the tiebreaker now. So because obviously the Pels better than the other week there. Um so if they don't win, then the Pels will have the tiebreaker and it'll be at home. And, and New Orleans so I think the Lakers want to win at least these two games I think in the last kind of nine games the Lakers have I think their, their target should be to win five and if they win two against the Pels that pretty much guarantees they're going to be playing it's hmm. a good question I'm going to tell you this real I don't think LeBron is, is, is LeBron scared of New Orleans though oh no he's he not shouldn't be that's why I say I think, I think you play house money and you arrest them now nah, he's going for a scoring title, and we we've seen the Pels. They're just a perennial team where they just you know spout points to teams. You know what's that? You want to go and put up one hundred and forty against us? Yeah, go ahead. We'll put up one hundred and thirty or something as well. It's a close game, but it's a high scoring game. And he's wanting to, he's going to want to play in these high scoring games. So you have got games against the Pels. He's he's not going to want to play against um who are some of the kind of tougher matchups he's got. I'm pretty sure he plays Milwaukee at some point. He's not going to want to play that Milwaukee game because that's going to hurt his scoring average. We know this. So he'll be looking for these teams that are kind of not bottom feeding teams, but they might be playing games, playing team games, but yeah. they are high scoring games that you want to play in because he wants to get that scoring title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe that game is prior to us recording is it's today. I believe it is. Play. First yeah. first one is today. First yeah. one is today. Very we'll true. <laughs> yep, yep. Now, on to our fourth quarter. So this is what hmm. the whole season has pretty much been building up to. Our fantasy quarter. Um, hopefully, you're in your finals. Are you in your finals week? Or are you I'm not in my finals week. week. I'm in, I'm in no. obliterating this guy. Let's give you a quick little <laughs> rundown. I want, I, want the, I want the listeners to just really take this in real quick. So when I go to fantasy, like I'm playing against LeBron. Um, basically, LeBron, Siakam, Joel Embiid. He has both LeBron and Joel Embiid tonight. And I'm up 6-3. I'm up 6-3. And um, I'm winning points, winning rebounds, winning assists, steals. I don't expect both those players to even do anything crazy. And blocks is kind of even. He's got 21 to my 20. Turnovers, he's got me. And I'm up 6-3. And then I look at this matchup today. Real, this is real time we're doing this, ladies and gentlemen. And he plays LeBron, Gary Payton, Andrew Wiggins, Joel Embiid, Kelly Oubre, and uh, Gafford. And tonight I only have, oof, it's going to be rough. I have Spencer. I have Jason Tatum as a game time decision against <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> and I have Aiton and I have Bagley. Wish me luck. I think I can do it. I think I pull off the upset. I do think I pull off the upset because as long as LeBron and Joel Embiid don't go completely nuclear and do a triple double, it. I still think I win this week. I still think I do. I think so. I think Spencer, Spencer's going playing against Utah. He'll go off, and we'll have to wait and see. But um, to your owners, I'm gonna say this for you guys for next year. Now, don't pick these all star players. That's all I'm saying. Like. That's why I don't pick guys like LeBron because I know at the last end of the season, these guys are going to be sitting out. doesn't matter where their position is going to be. And then you got people going in the, the chat. Oh, well, uh, why is my team looking like this? <laughs> because you pick LeBron. That's cool for the regular season, but now you're in the playoffs. And this man sits. Like tonight, hypothetically, you could just sit for some reason, you know, could be just, you know, player rest or, you know, healthy scratch. <laughs> then what do you do? You frisbee your phone outside? Because that's what I was doing. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I'm in my semi-finals week just now against the guy who has a ridiculous team. You know, he's he's been pretty much started the whole season. He's got Luca, he's got Shea, he's got uh, Russell. Um, who else has he got? It's just a whole bunch of guys who are really top tier guys. But and I had to drop Steph because obviously Steph got hurt. So that was my my first round pick gone. My 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 savior, I thought for the for the season gone because of his injury. And I was going into this week pretty much certain that I could probably do one over on him because he had guys like Luca, because he had guys like Shea. And it was a case where was, these guys are going to rest. My guys aren't going to rest that much. Although what was really shocked about was Chris Milton taking the night off. And I was like, nah, man, nah, you can't do that to me. Not, not now, not now. So next week's my finals week. If I, if I manage to pull this off, the guy I'm going to play against the finals week has Jason Tatum. And he has, well, he did have Jamran, obviously he just dropped him. Uh, and he had, he's got Joel Embiid. Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping Jason Tatum plays tonight and rests midweek. If he does that, fantastic news for me. And I have a real good chance at winning yet another, yet another championship. I love it. And right now I'm like trying to finesse the waiver wires we're doing in real time. <laughs> and I'm like, I just need to drop somebody. I might just drop Kyle Kuzma just to drop him. And then I'm like, you know, he looks like he's not playing tonight. So I have to choose from, you know, Thibel to Crowder to Vanderbilt to Beverly to, I don't even know who that Alvarado is guy. Who is that? He's the, he's the, he's the backup guard for uh, New Orleans. He's pretty good. He gets like 15 points a night, three or four steals. He's always, oh, uh, I don't know if you noticed, you got to go and check his highlights for steals. He does this really sneaky thing where he hides in the crowd. And like as they're doing an inbounder and like steals ball away. He's not against pretty much every team. Does he's it starting? Like, is he? Is he? I don't what, know. Over CJ? Nah. He yeah, they, comes they off said the he had a career high the other night of 23 points on Saturday. Yeah, well, I think he started one game for Devonta Graham when he was when he was out, but it's like they go back and forth, like minutes wise. He plays like he plays a good like 28 minutes a night, though. So he's 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 a worthwhile ad. Um for this week, folks. It's a very congested schedule. So you basically we're looking at three gate three days where you have basically all your guys playing. You've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you need to be kind of grab people who are not playing on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, or people have got back to backs Monday, Wednesday, or Monday and Tuesday, or Wednesday, Thursday, or something like that. For for just, you know, for the the good aspects of getting them both nights. The the things that the, the, the guys that I would kind of target are people from the Bulls. People from the Pacers, people from the Thunder, because the Bulls are going to rest people. We know this, and they play on a really good night where they play Monday and Tuesday back to back, and then you can just drop them after that. Um, and the Thunder, Shea's kind of been out and in, so you've got people Trey Man giving you good points. You get people like Theo Maladon, who I picked up last year at different points, and he was he was pretty good, but he was very inconsistent. Just now, he's on a, a, a run of like three or four games of really good, really good performances. And the, the big one that I would say you need to watch out for is the Pacers. Now, they've had a whole bunch of guys out injured. Jalen Smith was out injured with a stunt bug or something like that. Now, I had him. I, he was coming off the bench for pretty much like the past two weeks. I've had him for the past two or three weeks. And he's been pretty good off the bench. And um, getting maybe 20, 20, 20 minutes a night, but putting up like, 10 points, 8 rebounds, couple of blocks. It's pretty good in that aspect. But you've got people like Goga Badatze, who has always seemed to be questionable for games. Gives you a ton of points, ton of rebounds. He's a good one to target. Another one um, to target is Isaiah Jackson. Now, he's just back from um, concussion. He played like 9 minutes on the other night and didn't play on Saturday, which I was gutted about because I, I thought I was going to need him. I'm still holding him. I'm still hopeful that he comes back and he plays this week. Because he's he gets a lot of good points, it's a lot of good categories, some blocks, a lot of rebounds, ten or twelve points. You know, he's he's a good one to kind of pick up. A guy who's really been kind of shown off um, since basically the past three weeks, and um, since he's kind of got that those ten day contracts is Drew Eubanks. He has really kind of been one of the stars of my of my waiver wire. Um, he's getting fifteen points a night, about 10, 12 blocks, uh, 10, 12 rebounds couple of blocks, half decent assists. You know, he's a good one to pick up if he's, if he's still on your way wire, folks. I'm just nodding my head because I'm like real time figuring out some stuff. So I'm going to talk to you off, off air because off <laughs> <air. laughs> by the time this airs, it's not even going to matter, people. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. But try for for our listeners. I would say try and get your roster sorted tonight for this coming upcoming week because you need to pick up these guys before they get snapped up because this week is very congested. So if you have if you've got guys who are who you're not going to be able to play on a Monday and Wednesday, drop them for a guy you can play on a Tuesday because you need to be making the most out of your off your roster spots. Listen to the man. The man's got a plan, you know. Yeah. So. Listen to him when we when we end this recording. <laughs> right, folks, we are done for this week. Good luck, hopefully, in your semi-final or finals matchups, and have a lovely rest of your week, folks. We'll do. Have a good one, guys. Playoffs right around the corner. You have been listening to Across the Pond NBA podcast. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast, and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up, and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes. Sports Social Podcast Network. New to the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Nick Hancock, and if you're enjoying this podcast, you might enjoy ours. It's called the Famous Sloping Pitch Podcast, and it's Chris England and myself just having fun and then not having fun talking about football. Try it. 